What is up and welcome in. It's another edition of 10,000 Pitches, a podcast devoted to everything Minnesota soccer and beyond. My name is Jeremy Rushing. Alongside me, as always, Dominic Jose Fazonio. Dom, we have reached episode 138 of the podcast. Plenty to get to this week. How are you? Oh, <laughs> oh well, there technical difficulties right off the bat. We're, right. we're freezing uh, right off the bat. Uh, but yeah, Dom, did you hear my question? How are you? Yeah, yeah, I did. All right. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm doing well. Um, uh, for two things, you want to throw up right at the, the top of this. Uh, first of all, uh, I, I want to thank. Uh, there are a lot of people, uh, sort of soccer people, and also people uh, from lower the lower league community that I just know well. Some of them, you know, Facebook friends or whatever, with that, uh, were were very kind and and reached out a couple weeks ago. Uh, well, this really this whole last month, there's been some some pretty rough stuff. Uh, happy, so I, I appreciate um, everybody that that sent their best wishes about that. Uh, also, uh, very happy to have some good news, uh, which is that this week I, I started my new position as a sports editor for the Sun Post, was previously at the Osseo Maple Grove Press. So, um, looking forward to that and excited about that. So, yeah, glad to. Uh, oh, and also, of course, shout out to, to Carter for being on the podcast last week. Wasn't able to do that. Um, but glad to be back and, and glad to be able to sort of start getting back to just uh, talking about talking about sports. So, yeah, looking forward to today. Two things. One, it's great to have you back. Two, I knew you weren't going to be a writing free agent for long. <laughs> if, we had, if, we had any, if we had any semblance of a budget for it here, Dom, we would just bring you on and not let you go. But that's not really in the cards right now. Maybe we get, you know, a couple hundred more patrons at patreon.com slash soccer. We could try to make that happen. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, very, very happy for you in your new role. Happy that you can still make time to join us here on the 10,000 Pitches podcast. Had to do some maneuvering this week, recording this a little bit later than we usually do. But Dom, hopefully that means that some like crazy news isn't going to break four seconds after we get <laughs> off the air like it usually yeah. does. So maybe it'll work to our advantage this week. But anyways, we are presented by SodaSoccer.com, your home for soccer coverage in the North. If you want to know the breadth of, of soccer that we cover, just head to the website and look at like the last six stories that are on the website upsl npsl minnesota aurora minnesota united it is all there on on the field stuff off the field stuff we're covering it all at sodasoccer.com so make sure you're checking that out if you enjoy minnesota soccer content uh, a big weekend ahead uh in the world of minnesota soccer as well we'll you know have you covered at least on twitter and after the fact with uh with some content as well so make sure you're following us on the socials, basically on Twitter, but also on Instagram. We're trying to ramp up kind of our Instagram um, frequency of posting and things like that. I've been trying some short form video stuff. So if you're interested in that, check us out on Twitter and Instagram at Soda, S-O-C. That's S-O-T-A-S-O-C. And make sure you're checking us out on Patreon if you do want to support the show, support what we're doing at Soda Soccer. It's patreon.com slash Soda Soccer. You can get in for as low as $3 a month to support us, but those 5 and $10 tiers get you great bonus content like uh, Match Day Thread from Minnesota United. We got uh, game notes, training notes, um, you know, lower league stories and, and different news-breaking things that, that go up on, uh, on, on our Patreon. So make sure you're supporting our week. You get early access to things like podcasts and, and different content as well. So patreon.com slash soda soccer we had a goal for april we came up a little bit short of our goal for april but we are one patron away from what would have been our april goal so if we want to retroactively hit our april goal you want to help us retroactively hit our april goal uh make sure you're checking us out patreon.com slash soda soccer and uh become our next patron 
help us hit that goal and support what we're doing um, and get this podcast early each and every week as well at patreon.com slash soda soccer. Big shout out to Dave S our most recent patron this week. Really appreciate you, Dave. Thank you so much for contributing. Speaking of contributing, let's get into the notes here, Dom. Uh, no goals were contributed in the nil-nil draw between Minnesota United and FC Dallas. Most of those opportunities came by way of Minnesota United. But before we get into the match itself and Minnesota's performance, I want to say this before I forget. This I've watched FC Dallas a few times. I watched them play Minnesota. We have been very critical of FC Dallas on this podcast. I don't know if we've been critical enough of FC Dallas on this podcast <laughs> after watching their performance against Minnesota on Sunday. Not their best showing, especially from an attacking sense. But they still somehow come away from Allianz Field with a point in that nil-nil draw. Um, before the match, we were wondering if Kervin Oriaga was going to be available. He was not due to a hamstring injury. Luisa Maria did get the start up top. It was Sam Benjong back in the uh, the number 10 uh, with Bongi to his left and Robin Lid to his right. No Alan Velasco for Dallas either. So that was kind of a, a you know brought a sense of optimism that Minnesota could maybe double up uh, FC Dallas in, in, in the win column early in the season. But it was not to be. No goals despite a 17 to six shot advantage, five to two shots on target advantage, six corners to Dallas's three. We don't get a goal. Dom, your thoughts. Uh, well, you know, I, I, I will start with a small positive, which is obviously just the team breaks a losing streak. You get a point on the board. Obviously, there's a certain amount of positive to take from that. Um, otherwise, I, I certainly agree with a lot of the negative takeaways that people have had from this game uh, in that despite uh, being the best result the team's gotten in four games, uh, it it weirdly somehow feels like one of the worst results they've gotten um, in those four games. Uh, and, and it just, it's another game where the spotlight ends up on Minnesota United's attack and their ability to convert chances. It felt like, you know, there's been a lot of talk about uh, St. Ben and, and, and at the 10, what the midfield looks like, all these sorts of things. And, and those are valid conversations. Um, but I, I think that perhaps when we're talking about whether or not this offense is being you know, productive enough, that perhaps we're uh, overthinking it a little bit in that when you have two strikers in the box late in the game, passing it mm -hmm. to each other, and neither of them can just like get it past the two other guys defending, that just sounds like something simpler than, well, who's at the 10? The guy yeah. at the 10 helped get the ball there, <laughs> but yeah. what are we doing in the box? Um, it just felt, I mean, it just felt like a perfect uh, cast, uh, crystallization of, of, of that problem that this team's been having for a while now. So, uh, unfortunately, there were some moments there with Garcia and Amaria, for example, up front together that just felt like, you know, out of ideas. Um, and, and so, yeah, it, it's frustrating. It's frustrating to know you're, you're mentioning that perhaps we haven't been critical enough about this FC Dallas team. Yeah, I mean, this, uh, this is a team that I think a lot of people feel like haven't necessarily been playing amazing, but they've just kind of gotten points uh, mm -hmm. through time. Uh, to be perfectly honest, I have a feeling a lot of people actually feel the same way about Minnesota United. Um, yep. But uh, And so maybe in that way, it's fitting that nobody does anything to each other in this game. Um, but yeah, it's a frustrating game that you, you know there surely were more points in for Minnesota and just no ability to, to convert chances to make the most of opportunities. Uh, it's, it's just more frustration. 
this the reason why it's so frustrating, at least to me, Dom, is because everything else was so good for Minnesota in this game. They were so great in the midfield, in defense, in building up to those chances. Man, like everything but that final touch, that final ball was uh, immaculate in this game. It was, I mean, it was a domination. You look, this is the first time all season Minnesota has won, won the passing percentage battle. They had 81% to Dallas is 79, 61% accurate long balls. They forced 10 pass interceptions in the midfield, which 10 is a good number. That's still under their season average, by the way. They won 56 duels to Dallas's 39. They won 73% of their aerial duels. Dane St. Clair was barely tested at all the entire night. Jesus Ferrero was a non-factor but they just could not find that final ball and that final touch. And this is becoming a reoccurring theme, obviously not only this season, but in years past as well. It's, it's, it's frustrating because they're doing everything else. So right. They are doing everything and getting to those opportunities and building to those chances, but they are just, there seems to be David Naylor said it best in the post loons after Seattle and I'm going to kind of reiterate it here. Yeah. There seems to be a force field around the 18-yard box. And on, Star, on Star Wars Day, as we're recording, this is fitting. Yeah. It seems to be a force field around the 18-yard box. And as soon as a Minnesota player crosses that force field with the ball, it's almost as if, as if they forget what to do with the ball in that opportunity. Yeah. Right. They forget how to finish the chance. They, they forget that they, don't, they lose all awareness of where they are and what they're supposed to do in that situation. And we saw that on full display again. I mean, how how many times, you, you know, there was, if we want to kind of get into some of the specific chances here, I mean, Bongi had four chances in this one. One of them yeah. where he's running in on basically a three-on-one with, he has, uh, I believe, Amaria to his left, Robin Lud to his right. Yeah. And instead of passing the ball either way to reposition the keeper and basically assuring yourself at least a half-open net in that circumstance, he takes a very low percentage shot. It's Martin Paz right in the chest. Um, he had a couple really good chances that ended up way, way wide of goal. He had Luis Samaria at the doorstep twice in this one and somehow not finishing. You had Robin Lud with an amazing individual effort in the 73rd minute to weave past three or four Dallas defenders, just a scorching shot on the ground that just misses the post by a, by an inch or just, is just an inch wide of goal. You had so many opportunities, but that finishing touch is just so lacking. And you have to imagine that, you know, the confidence snowball is not rolling in a very positive direction. And it just leaves you wondering as a fan, and I, I, I assume at some sense it kind of leaves the players wondering, how the heck do we get out of this rut? Yeah. And, I mean, the answer to that is is painfully simple, which is, you know, make something of the chances you're creating for yourself. But but See the ball that, hit the back of the net. Do whatever yeah. you have to do to see the ball hit the back of the net. What right? that actually means is, you know, I don't know. I mean, yeah. you know, there's there's really, like, blatant things you could say to that like you know practice shooting more but like obviously their practice you know obviously this is a thing that they know how to do i mean to, to the point of the the force field thing that's part of what's strange is it feels like these players certain individuals particularly are just like forgetting how to do things i know they can do yeah um and and so it, it, it's it's not even a question of training or practice or reps i mean it's just a matter of like something's happening with the composure in the game that in certain situations they're just not doing the thing they're supposed to be doing and i you know i don't, I don't know what there is to do about that i suppose there's some aspects that that could be addressed with by the coaches in some way but i mean part of it feels almost like 
it's just up to somebody's got to snap the, the, the curse mm-hmm. for everybody and just like get the momentum flowing. I have a feeling that once a goal goes in for this team, there will be yeah. plenty more, but it just yeah. feels like right now, nobody's willing to take the initiative to be the guy to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, yeah, you know, just again to the point of how one-sided this draw was, you, you mentioned Dane St. Clair had very little to do. I even noticed um, in the in the the post game the the player interviews, which Minnesota United uh, posted a video of Michael Boxel was interviewed, and he even said that, yeah, I don't, we didn't have that much to do. I think he said Dane yeah. didn't have that much to do, um, and and so I mean. Not that he meant this by saying that, but when your defenders are noting that, that puts the weight of that draw quite heavily on the other side of the field. Um, so, yeah, it, it's just, again, it's it's strange. It's frustrating. It's uh, something that you hope can be solved soon by, you know, St. Ben getting more comfortable or, you know, some of these guys getting a little luckier with some of their hits. There were some good shots and good opportunities in this game. Uh, but it, it just feels like there's sort of a strange, uh, what's that? What's the phrase? Monkey on the back uh, yeah. with with this team just not quite remembering in the right moments how to put a chance together. Yeah, I mean, look, this is you know he's obviously going to get the blame at some level for this because he is the manager, and if the team's not getting the results that they need to sort of move forward and be where they want to be, he is the the first one who is going to take the brunt of that responsibility, right? Or whether it's from the, from the team, from the fans, from the organization, what, whatever that is. And that's, that's all valid. That comes with being the manager of this team, but I'm looking at this and there are brighter minds than mine who have more of a, you know, see, um, a longer time watching and, and analyzing the game that might have a different opinion, but I'm not sure what more he can do. It just, it seems just like, and he can't go out there and score the goals, right? I mean, he is a former striker, but he can't go out there and score the goals, right? I mean, they're creating the chances. It's usually the, if a team's not creating chances, that's when you're like, okay, this, we need something different. We need, you know, a a change. This might be, have to have to do with the tactics, blah, 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 blah. They're creating the chances. It's just the finishing. And you, I, I wonder how much of that is actually the responsibility of the manager at that point when tactically you're doing what you have to do to put yourself in positions to score. I think that's fair. Yeah. As, as, um, as the person on this podcast, I think has been more, like more, uh, directly critical of, of Adrian Heath. I, I agree that, um, I, I, I can't imagine there's much that he can really do to change this. I mean, mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, at a certain and, point, and what do you do from like a mental side? Like, is this something you even talk about, or like, do you like right. stay away and not even bring it up because you don't want to necessarily have these guys get in their heads even more? It's just a, right. I don't know. Well, obviously, I mean, it's a confidence issue, and obviously, yeah. it's a mental thing. It's between the ears. It's not really physical or tactical, but it no. just seems like I'm not sure how how you navigate that. And the side, you know, I guess my final note on that is the the side of all this that I would say he is responsible for is the part that is clearly working, which is that they're getting into the right places. They're getting the ball where they need to get it. They're, they're moving it up the field. They're, they're in the right positions to make the right challenges, to make the right passes. All of that is more or less working. I mean, obviously some games it's been better than others, but generally the stats are relatively positive, at least in this game for those things. That's more or less really where his job 
ends. I mean, what the guys actually mm-hmm. do in those last moments, you can't really coach that into existence. Yeah. Um, certainly not on a game day. Um, yeah. And and so, yeah, I mean, maybe there's something he could do to better unlock certain guys' confidence or something. But I mean, I, I, I it feels like he's more or less doing his part of the job. Um, yeah. So, yeah, very confusing. Let's. Let's talk about Bongi for a second, because I mean, obviously he has been an absolute workhorse for this team. All 90 plus he's played all 90 plus minutes in all eight matches. He's been available for this season, aside from the match where they were missing seven starters, including him due to international duty. Every other match he's been in every other match has been available. He's played 90 plus in all of them, even in St. Louis after coming back from international duty and having like a 22 hour flight, 36 hours prior, he was still, on the field, all 90 plus minutes against St. Louis. That's how much work this guy is putting in on both ends. And here is here are the categories he leads the team in right now. Offensive categories. He's tied for first in goals. He's first in expected goals. First in XG on target. First in shots on target per 90. And I believe as of last week, he was first in expected assists. Robin Ludd had about five uh, expected assists. It feels like against, uh, against Dallas. So maybe he's crept up there, but at least as of last week, he was also first in expected assists. And I just read this on Twitter before we went on the air, Dom, according to PFF FC, which is the soccer arm of pro football focus. It's kind of new. It's, it's established over the last year. Bongi also leads major league soccer in combined block shots, crosses, and passes with 37 combined he's putting in the work but he's also an attacker on this team he's also uh somebody who they are relying on to to contribute to goals whether that's actually putting goals in the back of the net whether that's providing assists he is somebody that you know you you would uh, as we mentioned with the team wide you you would think that the work will at some point translate into that goal contribution but we saw, again, four quality chances from Bongi on Sunday. And it just seemed like he had that sort of what do I do here type moment in every single one of those. That's obviously something that has to improve. But, I mean, for you, Dom, is the work rate good enough to outshine kind of the lack of final third quality we've seen? How do you, how do you sort of look at Bongi's early part of the season? Yeah, you know what else? I I think my answer is pretty uh, straightforward on this one. Um, when you're doing as much right as he is, at least from a statistical standpoint, to me, it's not your fault when the team isn't getting the job done offensively. Because the thing is, you know, I mean, this is like an incredibly cliche thing to say, but obviously, it's a team sport. Yep. When one of the attackers is putting up as many good stats as he is and and some of it is related to like you know xg and stuff but some of this has nothing to do with that some of it's just work rate stuff crosses midfield work tracking back passes um when when one of the members of the attack is putting that much work in and then some of the others are like dribbling themselves out of chances in the box it's not bongi's fault the team's not scoring yeah um if he's doing that much some of which off the ball or moving the ball to others, it's up to those other players to make that worth something. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't blame him for them failing to do that. I mean, he had some chances he could have done better with, but so did every other player on the team. Yeah. Yeah. So at least he was doing the 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 good work off the uh, outside of the shots yep. to build up to that. 
uh, there are some players that I don't think you could say that about. So, mm-hmm. you know, to me, I, 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 I wouldn't point any fingers at, at him out of, out of the frustration of that result. No, I wouldn't either. Adrian Heath did say this week, I asked kind of Heath about his own kind of assessment of, of Bongi's, you know, play this season. And he said, you know, he's putting the work in, but he also said, this is sort of the next evolution of his game. He has to get sort of, he has to get more composure in the final third is what he kind of said. And I don't necessarily think that was like hypercritical. It's just like, Hey, this is the next thing I want to see from him. This is the next step I want to see him take because the fact that he hasn't taken that step was on full display against Dallas, but He's also young enough and green enough that you'll give him kind of a pass on that right now because he's continuing to develop and he's continuing to sort of uh, grow into the all-around attacking and defensive threat that you want him to eventually become, but he is still sort of in the process of growing into that player, right? So, well, I mean, obviously time will tell if he does end up growing into that player, but the work rate has been there, and I think uh, I'm with you, Dom. I think I'll take that um any day and and hope that you know statistically things sort of even out where that work starts to translate into um you know actual goal scoring contribution um let's go off the field really quick um we did here you know for everything that happened in this match we also during the match gained some new developments in the emmanuel reynoso saga um this is a quote from taylor twelman in the 19th minute on the broadcast on apple tv um, regarding Minnesota's efforts to get Reynoso back to Minnesota. He said, quote, two weeks ago, they, being representatives from the team, were down in Argentina and felt like Reynoso was going to get on the airplane. And then 24 hours later, he did not, end quote. Andy Grader of the Pioneer Press was able to confirm that report via his own sources shortly after. Um, Adrian Heath had this to say post game. He said, quote, we've had people down there, being in Argentina, uh, a lot of time. It's a place where we've spoken to Ray consistently. Obviously, it was disappointing. We thought he was going to be back, but he didn't. We'll keep asking the question, and hopefully some sort of common sense will prevail, and he gets on the plane and gets back here, end quote. And then Greeter was actually able to get a quote from Dane St. Clair after the match as well. And at DSC, part of his quote was this, quote, if he doesn't want to be here, that's on him, end quote. And that final quote from DSC actually does bring up a good question. At some point, when does the when does it become sort of not worth it? When do you when do you need to move on from this? I guess if you're the organization, do you need to move on? Do you need to keep pressing and pressing this and doing everything you can to bring him back over the course of the season? Or is there a tipping point where you say we've done everything we can? As Dane said, if he doesn't want to be here what more can we do? I feel like there has to be that point at some level. Should the organization have reached that point already though, I guess is my question. Yeah. Well, you know, I have two and one is an answer to, to your actual question, which is from an organizational level, but for the sake of anecdote from a, from a fan level, um, I think that already happened. Yeah. Um, I think it happened a while ago. Like, I mean, to, you know, when, when we, are in this cycle of you know covering this team. I don't I don't write articles on Minnesota so much, but you know for this obviously covering them and, and just paying attention as a fan as well. Um, it's been weeks since I've even considered the idea that he still plays for this team. Yeah, I mean I I don't really even think of him as being 
part of the roster anymore. Uh, Even as media, we kind of have stopped asking about it, honestly, right. over the last couple of weeks. I mean, up until a couple of weeks ago, we were continuing to ask and ask and ask, but you only can hear no to are there any updates uh, so much right. before you realize there probably aren't any updates anymore. So I was and actually really surprised to hear right. that from the 12-man. It sounds like, I mean, it's interesting. Yeah, to the 12-man quote point, it's it's interesting that there was potentially some sort of improvement on the way that, that yeah. cut short. But, I, I mean, at a certain point, you know, the team's already gone out and, and gotten another attacking player that, I mean, I, I understand St. Ben hasn't been amazing as the 10, but that's where he's playing. And he is new and probably can improve with a short amount of time. Um, at a certain point, I think you just move on and try and get everybody that you have able to play together the best they can. I mean, even if he does come back, is he going to be in in shape? Is he going to be in form? How long is it going to take I mean, him? It's to going get to take him a while team? to get back in. It's going to take him a while to get back into shape. He's, I guess, according to a recent Argentine report, he is playing with his local neighborhood club. But you, that doesn't replicate. What, yeah, I mean, and the what intensity the and requirements? Like, what does that mean? Yeah, you know? the, the requirements so, of a of a major league soccer match and yeah. season. So if he like the point of all that being, let's say halfway through the season he shows up how long after that does he actually play? I mean, like, yeah. I, I just, it doesn't feel, I mean, look, the, the club have every right to want the players they have rostered to be cooperative and they can pursue that. That's Especially fine. when like, they're an all-star. But in terms of, in yeah, yeah. No, no, that too. But in terms of, like, obviously that's the asterisk of this conversation is like, obviously at the end of the day, it's in the club's interest to like pursue the fulfillment of contracts and all that. But from like a more um, emotional standpoint, um, yeah, I mean, I, I I feel like the point of kind of giving up feels like it's almost already passed. I feel like if the resolution was going to come, it would have come already. And apparently yeah. it almost did, and then it failed. And sometimes that is where things die, is that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's what I got on that. Here's, here's what I want to see. And, again, this is – if he's able to come back and they're able to convince him to do that, great. But you are – using club resources to try and make this happen. And if it doesn't happen, you would have sort of at some level wasted club resources in terms of spending all this time, travel down to Argentina, continuous conversations, whether they're in person, over the phone, whatever, you know, trying to track him down a, and then trying to have the conversations and trying to get him back here. That's still a lot of club resources being used to make that happen. Right. So I think at some level you, if Ray does not come back, let's, let's say you cut the cord right now. And you say, okay, he's not coming back. We're not going to try if he wants to come back on his own. Great, but we're not going to provide resources into this. You know, you could enter the summer transfer window if you sort of cut your losses on Reynoso here and you buy down Luis Samaria. You could be entering the summer transfer window as, you know, already a, a fringe bottom level playoff team with two DP spots at your disposal as well. I think that's actually a really good spot to be in for this Minnesota United team organizationally. Now, that's all pending raise contract status and what they can do with that DP spot. But that seems like a likelihood here where if Ray doesn't come back, you could have a July where you are kind of able to have your, have your pick and not really be limited in terms of the quality of players that you want to bring in, uh, in that window, which I think could really be super, you know, extremely beneficial for this team considering we know what their strengths are. We know what their weaknesses are. If they have two DP spots at their disposal to sort of try to turn those weaknesses into strength, we could come out of that summer window with a really well-rounded 
Minnesota United team from defense and attack. All that being said, it just I'm kind of with you here, Dom. I think it's I think it's about time to let Ray do what he's going to do. If he wants to come back, great. But I think you need to start embracing the reality that he's not going to be here. And I think then he's not coming back. And I think at some level the team has done that, but obviously they are still devoting resources to trying to bring him back, which that's their choice. But I think especially with this last situation, if I'm Minnesota, to me, and I'm not in that position. But if I am, I have to think that's probably the final straw. Like, okay, man, do do you, but we got to move forward here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the, the, the research, you know, I don't know who, what individuals are being sent down there, but you imagine it's someone, you know, whether that's scouts or executive, whoever. According to are. Andy's piece, it was um, Mark Watson, who was actually down okay. there having the in-person conversation. And it sounds like they were confident enough that Reynoso was going to get on the plane. that They sent him down there book the right. flight, you know, all of that. Yeah. And so that, that sounds like deal breaker stuff. I mean, that, yeah. that, that sounds like an end, end of relationship, you know, sort of problems. So yeah, maybe it's time for that to actually happen, but we shall see. But in any case, moving on here, ho- hopefully the loons move on and we shall move on to discussing uh, the next match Saturday, another late one here in the central time zone, at least. 9.30 p.m. Central Time kickoff in Vancouver for the Loons. The Whitecaps haven't allowed a goal. So this, there's an interesting sort of duality with Vancouver over the last month or so. Um, they haven't allowed a goal in league play since their last matchup with the Loons on March 25th. So that's over a month. That's about six weeks almost not allowing a goal in league play. They, But they have not scored in all competitions since April 8th. So they are not allowing many goals, but they also can't seem to find a goal to save their lives. Very similar to a team that we have been talking about over the last half hour or so. Um, Kervin Ariaga should be available Saturday per Heath. Um, aside from the obvious, Dom, what do you want to see from Minnesota in Vancouver oh. on Saturday? A place where they've actually had a lot of success uh, on the road over in recent years. True. Uh, well, yeah, two things. First of all, what I want to see um, is, is uh, more uh, offensive composure, composure in the final third, um, being more clinical in the final third. Uh, and, and, you know, for what it's worth, I mean, look, if their goalkeeper has the game of his life and he stops a bunch of great chances, that's, that's even fine by me. What I really mean is for those chances to feel genuinely dangerous, genuinely, gen, uh, genuinely cohesive and with intent, rather than what we saw with Dallas where, you know, you noted this by the time the actual shot happened, it usually felt like very little was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, I, I want to see that. I want to see uh, Minnesota get, okay, two games in a row with points. Um, keep keep that lost streak that was building away. I think that's important. A random note that, uh, that, that I have for this game, you know, on the note of Vancouver's attacking ability that, that might prove a point of interest is I know that um, uh, uh, Sergio Cordova, uh, who is a Venezuelan uh, player that, that Vancouver signed um, this season from Augsburg, he was on loan to RSL last year. He's been posting video of him training again. He got pretty seriously mm-hmm. injured, muscle injury, uh, like yeah. week three or something. 
Um, he's training again. I don't know if he's available or not, but if he is, the last time he played Minnesota, I believe he got like two or three goal involvements when RSL blasted Minnesota in, in um, Salt Lake City. Yep. Um, so that would potentially be a narrative to look out for in case he's available. Um, he hasn't played much, but when he has played the season, he hasn't scored yet either. That's a problem the whole team's having. So mm-hmm. um, would be interesting to see if that ends up being some sort of narrative. Um, that being said, you know, defensively, I thought, you know, Minnesota showed some, some good sides uh, against Dallas. And I, I would like to see that continue against a Vancouver team that hasn't been attacking particularly well. So, yeah, I mean, more of the same for the back two thirds of the field really is what I would like to see. And uh, the complete opposite for the, for the other third. <laughs> yes. No, I, I'm with you. And, you know, Vancouver defensively has been, I think a lot better than what Minnesota saw against Dallas on Sunday. So I don't know if they're necessarily going to be able to create as many chances, but I said this before the Dallas game, you have to take the chances you're given. You have to, if you're going to be a team that, you know, sits back and plays the counter like Minnesota does, you have, I mean, you have to, you have to take your chances. And Minnesota has kind of been doing the opposite of that in the early part of this season. So, I mean, and, but that's kind of how they want to play. They kind of want to be that defensively sound team. And then they just kind of want to grind out a goal any, any way, anyhow, but you have to have some actual quality and intent in the final third, if you're going to have sustained success in this league. So um, yeah, whether it's, whether it's Robin Lud, who is more than due a goal, it's what's actually crazy Dom is for how good Robin Lud has been. He only has one assist to his name this year and no goals mm-hmm. to his name this year. Right. That's pretty crazy to think about. So um, he is more than due for one. Um, Luis Samaria, I mean, look, there, there's lots, of, I guess, discuss with Luis Samaria is what's happening on Twitter. But he is, he's putting work in. He is putting the work in. He, you, you saw it numerous, op, numerous times against Dallas, him tracking back defensively from the striker position and, you know, getting uh, influential in the defensive side of things. Um, it just doesn't seem to be falling for him right now. I have to imagine his confidence is is extremely low. So maybe he, you know, he obviously needs to see one hit the back of the net. Very interested to see if it's him or Mender Garcia who get the start up top. Um, probably will still be the four two three one. Although I think the four four two is probably would probably best fit this roster personally with Sang Ben sort of playing a second striker role up top and um, Ludden. You can still have Ludden Longwani on the wings. Um, you know that I think that could still work for this team. Um, it's just a matter of, it's just a matter of finding goals. And it's a matter of getting Sing Bay more integrated into the attack. You know, he was not very involved on Sunday um, for him playing the 10 role. He was not very involved uh, except for completely almost somehow, some way avoiding a, a straight red in the first yeah. half. Yeah. I thought looking back at that one, that, that did not look very good. So, um, but in any case, um, you know, getting him more involved and more fit will obviously play a big role in, in this team in the attack as well. So uh, we shall see Saturday night, 9.30 p.m. Central Time kickoff. We will have another late edition of Post Loons after that one as well. All right, let's go off the field, back off the field. Club announced a pair of new additions to their sporting department staff here on Thursday as we're recording. Andrew Greger will be Minnesota's director of scouting. He's worked in multiple roles with the Timbers organization from 2011 to 2020. Uh, and then Hank Stebbins is their new assistant technical director. He will work directly with technical director Mark Watson on player acquisitions, roster management, compliance, loan agreements, and much more. Um, he's, he was heavily involved in those aspects um, on behalf of the USL uh, in the past. He's also worked recently in the Timbers organization as well. So you're getting a couple of, of guys who have experience in the sporting department at a 
know, long season, one of the best organizations in the history of Major League Soccer. So you have to imagine these will be positive acquisitions. And with Adrian Heath sort of playing two roles as manager and sporting director, I really do think it's smart for them to add more. We talked about resources, add more resources, add more bodies, add more add more quality individuals to the sporting department. So you can have a guy like Heath focusing more on the sideline and what he needs to do with his team on the field. Yeah, absolutely. And especially for those guys to, to be folks that know the league, know the nature of MLS uh, very well uh, for a longstanding MLS team. Uh, And, and, you know, every bit of talent and skill you can get in things like player acquisition, negotiations, those sorts of things is, is a massive asset. The Timbers, for what it's worth, a club that I think are, are have a reputation for being good at picking out interesting players from the market and making the most of them, getting guys that maybe nobody else was quite paying attention to and turn out to be uh, stars. So, uh, no, yeah, ha- ha- having a little more of that in the room for Minnesota United, I think, is, is, is useful. Um, you know, I, I think that recently Minnesota United has improved a lot in its player acquisition, uh, just player to player. Um, mm. A lot of the jokes that used to be made by people, including me, uh, are no are are much less accurate now. I think more often yeah. than not, when Minnesota signs somebody now, you should more or less expect for it to be an interesting, good signing. It didn't always that wasn't always the case. Um, I mean, but hashtag hashtag oopsie transfer has not been yeah. uttered on this podcast for almost a calendar yes. year. So. I, I I wasn't even I wasn't even going to say it to bring I wasn't going <laughs> to even risk bringing back the spirits. But um, yeah, no, I, you know, so, but with that said, getting more of those minds in the room to, to make that process even better, uh, that, that certainly can't hurt. So yeah, no, uh, I, I think it's an encouraging uh, bathroom addition. Yeah, for sure. All right, we will go lower league a lot to get to on MNUFC2. We have a big Minnesota Super Cup opener to discuss. Uh, news from Minnesota Aurora, the UPSL kicked off this past weekend. A lot more to get to in just a minute. But first, we got to shout out our friends over at Stimulus Athletic. StimulusAthletic.com is where you need to go. If you are the, the owner uh, on the board of directors, a coach, if you're a decision maker in a club, whether it's a youth club, whether it's a, a lower league side, whether it's a futsal club, ultimate frisbee, doesn't matter. If you're the owner of a community club at the youth level or the adult level, and you're looking to, you know, you're looking at your team's jerseys and and apparel, and you're like, man, we could really use an upgrade. These are kind of plain. We've been using the same Nike ones for years. You know, I really would like us to have some more custom design stuff. Hit up our friends at Stimulus Athletic because they are the place to go for quality game gear and apparel, custom design game gear and apparel at a price that's not going to break your bank. It's going to stay within your budget. And what Stimulus Athletic does is they will actually build you out a team store. So you go to StimulusAthletic.com, you fill out the design form, you will work one-on-one with one of their trusted account managers and designers to make sure you are getting the look that you want that really shows your team's identity. And then once you do that, you know, your players will be available to get jerseys and, and their apparel and stuff like that. But you can also sell that, th- that those items, the, those jerseys, those apparel, the, the, the shorts, the whatever, Anything that you create for your club and your players, you can actually sell it to your community and sell it to the the, the supporters, the the families, the the fans that that want to support your club. You can actually sell it to them and make your money back and even make a profit on your jerseys and apparel. It's a complete game changer for clubs. You're, it's no longer uh, an expense line item. 
for these clubs. It's actually a source of income for these clubs, completely flipping the script and changing your budget, our Stimulus Athletic. So hit them up. It's free to have a consultation and see what they can do for you. StimulusAthletic.com. Your team and organization deserves custom jerseys. So take the first step in making that happen. StimulusAthletic.com. Click that Get Started button and let them know. Jeremy and Dom from the 10,000 Pitches Podcast sent you over there. All right, bring up the overlay. Here we go. Now it is time to get into lower league news, Dom. And we are 40 minutes into this podcast and we were nowhere close to being done. Uh, we're going to start off with them in UFC 2. Uh, the Dubloons kind of continue their own losing streak as they uh, fall on penalties to Austin FC 2 in a weather-delayed uh, match down in Austin. If you saw the pictures that were on their social media, we also posted it on, on ours as well. So very ominous clouds. Uh, the dark clouds must have made the trip down to uh, Austin, but not, um, but a uh, bit of severe weather situation. Luckily, nothing extreme happened, and the fans who stayed were safe and all that stuff. Um, they didn't end up playing the match very late into Friday evening last week. Uh, Diogo Pacheco opened the scoring in the first half, but Austin equalized late on um, to gain a point. And the way MLS Next Pro works after 90-plus minutes, after the final whistle, if the teams are in a, in a draw, each team gets a point. And then they play a round of penalty kicks to see who will gain an extra point in the standings. And it was very back and forth, multiple shots going over the bar, um, a lot of goals in, in the PK shootout. But it was the uh, the home side, Austin, winning 6-5 to five on penalties. Moundsview's own Micah Burton came on late for the Verdos, is actually what they call them. Pretty cool nickname down in Austin. Uh, but anyways, he comes on late for them and scores in the PK shootout to help Austin uh, get that extra point. Uh, per Andy Greater as well, a bit of off-the-field news, the Dubloon's Jeremy Rodas will actually be joining Honduras's U-20 national team in the upcoming U-20 World Cup in late May as well, so cool for him. But uh, another hard-fought game for MNUFC2. They fall down in Austin, but Austin is the best team in MLS Next Pro right now, so I don't think it's anything to um, scoff at, anything to hang your head about if you're in Minnesota, sort of leaving there with a point. Yeah, I think, you know, uh, the MNUFC2 had suffered a, a couple losses, including this one, but I think this one stands out a little different from, say, the they, they lost pretty heavily to, gosh, uh, the Whitecaps yep, uh, the week before. Um, th- this feels a little different to me. I mean, this is putting together a good performance against a very good team, and last minute you let a goal in. Um, and uh, because of the way the league works, then it turns into this penalty situation and you technically yep. lose, but um more or less it was a good performance on the road against a very good team i think there's plenty to build off there um you got unlucky with the shootout you know i mean that's 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 a very coin toss way of deciding things and you know mm-hmm. that, that's just how it is um but so i i think it's actually a pretty positive step for the team overall especially given the conditions of the game i mean by the time that equalizer goes in from austin those guys have been waiting to play up until that point and then playing for so long um, mm-hmm. that, you know, unfortunately I think probably just those moments, those lapse moments are just bound to happen, uh, to some degree. So, yeah, I mean, I think probably a good learning experience, a good competition. Uh, and, and I think, uh, a, a good return to this team feeling like it's really competing, uh, yeah. which at the end of the day is really the, the real mission for them. So yeah. more good than bad. Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of good news, the dome is down in, uh, at the national sports center in Blaine. Uh, the stadium there is ready to go. The Dubloons finally make their home debut for the season Sunday, uh, Sunday evening 
um, for their home opener against Chicago FC, or excuse me, Chicago Fire FC two. Um, and that one, the Dubloons games are are very very cool, a very cool atmosphere, kind of more intimate than obviously your Minnesota United match as well. Um, so a lot of fun soccer to get to. You have MNUFC Academy and Minneapolis City on Friday. Obviously, you have the Loons in Vancouver on Saturday, and a lot of great UPSL action on Saturday as well here locally. And then you have MNUFC two making their debut on Sunday. So plenty of soccer this weekend. If you're a if you're a sicko like Dominic Jose Bazonio, who attended two UPSL matches on uh, on set on Saturday. Yeah, Sunday. Let's get Sunday, into that. Yeah. No, Sunday. Sorry, you attended two yeah. on Sunday. Uh, let's get into that. Opening weekend for the UPSL yeah. Midwest Conference West Division. Um, Dom, kind of run through these matches and tell us a little bit about what happened here. Yeah, well, I mean, first of all, it was really great to get back to watching, uh, particularly in person, as well as on, on stream, lower league soccer. It was really great to, to bump into a lot of uh, lower league friends uh, all over the place, all the different games, and, and uh, much appreciated to all the, all the folks that spent some time talking. Um, yeah, four really... Uh, or actually, sorry, three really interesting games this last weekend and two games that were played on Wednesday as makeups uh, for, I guess, weather delays. Uh, so that's Maple Brook 2-2 with Worthington Community. Really interesting game. Maple Brook lead 2-0. Gosh, I, I think it was into the 70th minute plus. Um, playing a, a pretty conservative style, defending a lot, but really making the most of their chances. Worthington manage a pretty miraculous comeback within the last 10, 15 minutes, two goals from Prince uh, Libe Jr. Uh, one of which was a really nice, like edge of the box volley kind of long distance hammer of a goal. Um, really good performance from him. He was a substitute by the way. So he, he came nice. on and got two goals. Uh, so, so really interesting game there. Worthington showing that, you know, there, there are going to be some moments where they potentially struggle in their debut year, but they can also fight back in the games. And I think that was really promising. Also, Shout out. I know they, they, Worthington brought like an away crowd. <laughs> yeah, I saw game. that. There were like 20 something people. That's amazing. For them, which was pretty cool, not including the coaches and all that, obviously. So, like, yeah. that, that, was, that was cool. Um, really, really looking forward to seeing what they can accomplish at home um, and, and get fans there as well. Uh, Valora, Minneapolis City, that's the first game I went to. That was a 1 1 draw on Sunday. Very interesting game. Both teams, you know, you could tell kind of feeling out this season, feeling out each other. Both teams uh, kept some some pretty big names on the bench until the second half. They didn't start all the guys you might expect to start. Um, at least I didn't expect to start. Um, and, and so that was interesting. Uh, City take the lead first. Uh, really nice uh, goal from uh, uh, Nick uh, Kama, I believe. Um, uh, kind of counterattack down the left wing kind of goal. Uh, and then Valora equalized in the second half. Really nice solo goal. Uh, and so both teams, I, I think, showed that they're going to continue to be very good. Obviously, there's the sort of funny little note that they continue to be undefeated. But I expect both <laughs> these teams to be very competitive. Um, both could have won this game. And, and interestingly, yeah. both teams scored against the wind. The wind was horrible at this game. Uh, and both of them actually scored against it, which is a little interesting. You normally expect the advantage to be with the wind. Um, but yeah, just some really some really good performances. Huge save right at the end from Mitch Wolf, the Valora keeper, who's a former City player. A huge diving save to sort of stop City from winning it in like, gosh, I want to say the 85th minute. Uh, so really interesting game there. And, and yeah, I mean, both these teams are going to be competitive for sure. Uh, Twin City lost 1-0 to Superior City. 
uh, in the cities, Spring Lake Park specifically. Uh, uh, that was a really interesting game. I got the second half of that one in person. Uh, Superior City getting the first win in the UPSO in the first attempt. Uh, Mally Lumsden with the goal in that one. Really nice sort of athletic goal, beating the keeper to to a, a long ball as a little sort of aerial jump. It was kind hey, of like a... That, that shows, Dom. Get featured on Soda Soccer and open your and score your team's first ever goal. Absolutely, That's just, I'm just saying. Give me your time. <laughs> um, yeah, it's funny. This the his goal made me think of like um, like a Roberto Firmino celebration. Firmino always does those big like jump kick kind of things. Yeah. That like it was that kind of. But anyways, a very very good goal from from Lumsden. Really a good win for a superior who you know I, I think had. It was a tough match. I don't necessarily think they played amazingly defensively. It was pretty, pretty boggy and like, you know, a lot of sort of really bottom of the line defending, keeping things out of the box, really relying on the, on the back line and the goalkeeper for some big moments. But first game, uh, get the win. At the end of the day, I think that's a huge job done for them. It provides them time to continue to work on those things to, to improve how they're playing overall. Uh, their next game is at home, which helps too. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I think a really good start to them. And I mean, there are teams that wait a lot longer than one game to get a win at this level. So yeah. uh, good for them. Uh, Minneapolis, FC Minneapolis, uh, St. Paul Blackhawks. That was a, a Wednesday game. That was a rem- uh, postponed game. Uh, Blackhawks won uh, 3-1, uh, two assists from, from Zaid Alafrangi. So standout performance from him. I believe they named him MVP of the game. Um, big win for St. Paul. Uh, FC Minneapolis, I'm sure, are going to be a competitive team this this year as they have been recently. But, you know, mm-hmm. to go there and, and, and get a win is a great way to start for St. Paul. Worth noting, by the way, all the new teams did well this week. Yeah. All of them did well. Um, three of them won. One of them drew. Um, so good performance from St. Paul there. Uh, and then Granite City fell uh, five, uh, one to five to St. Croix. Granite City hosting that game. St. Croix, I think, really impressing. Um you know, that was a team that I don't think a lot of people knew what to expect because obviously they have a, a USL League Two team. Uh, and mm-hmm. so it wasn't clear what the relationship was going to be between those two squads. Uh, they really showed up. Uh, some standouts, uh, Kevin Andrews and uh, Liam Moreira both got a goal and assist. Liam is actually an e, uh, ECNL kid. He's a, he's a youth kid. So wow. uh, he, came, he came in on the second half. He was a substitute. So um Interesting little note there. They've got some really good young talent there. So, yeah, big wins for Superior, for St. Paul, for St. Croix. Really interesting draws to take from from uh, Maple Grove and, and Burnsville with those other two games. Um, and, yeah, just, just a really action-packed start to the, to the season. It keeps going this weekend. Um, I, I had a great time, and I, I, I definitely encourage people to go check out any games they can this weekend because I think there's going to be some really interesting narratives coming out of uh, the, the rest of this UPSL season. So good stuff. Yeah, I think I think the two big things that stand out to me, as you just mentioned, Dom, every new club coming away with a result in this yeah. one. As you mentioned, three of them winning. That's that's right. huge for the for the parity of the league and maybe somebody challenging Flora and uh, Minneapolis City Futures for kind of that league title in their first year would be a really cool storyline. And between those two, it, it just seems like – something's got to give at some point between Florida and Minneapolis <laughs> city. I mean, they always yeah. play each other super tough. You know, it, it doesn't seem to ever end in regulation uh, it, with a, with anything, anything decisive between the two. Um, and that happens once again, it just it seemed to be the, uh, the, the boxers that just throw haymakers at each other, but neither one of them goes down. 
And uh, so I'm really interested to see how they do against the rest of the league and relative to the rest of the league. Because it's interesting that they started against each other because I think Mm. it kind of allows some of these other teams to, you know, kind of sort themselves out and maybe gain a little bit of confidence heading into a a match against one of those two teams. So Absolutely. um, If one of those teams had won that game, mm -hmm. they would be the favorite to win the whole thing. I mean, essentially that's the reality of it. And so the fact that they don't, now means any of these other teams, if you can get a result against either of them, you suddenly have a much better chance of, of the 100%. playoff pitcher and so on. So, I mean, it's, 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 it's actually, unfortunately for them, they both get a point, but it's a point that actually helps everybody else really more yep. than either of them. So, Correct. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so the UPSL Midwest Conference West Division continues this coming weekend as well. Um, plenty, plenty more matches. Um, and obviously Dominic Jose Bazonio will, uh, will have you covered. Follow him on Twitter. If you're not at DJ Bazonio, um, he is the guy when it comes to local lower league coverage, give him a follow. Cause he is a, he is a sicko and attending every single possible match you can. <laughs> so make sure you're, uh, you're hitting, hitting him with the follow. But anyways, speaking of lower league, the next evolution of lower league soccer in Minnesota kicks off on Friday tonight. As if you're listening on the, on the day, this podcast drops, it's Minneapolis City hosting MNUFC's U19 MLS Next Team in the opening match of the 2023 Minnesota Super Cup. This is going to be an amazing atmosphere at Ador Nelson Field uh, at Augsburg. It's really unfortunate talking to talking to everybody in the Soda Soccer Slack. None of us could go to this match, and it's very frustrating. Uh, but Minneapolis, luckily Minneapolis city is one of the teams who does an excellent job of sort of covering themselves and providing content and and things like that. So we'll do what we can to kind of piggyback off that and, you know, retweet their Twitter feed and and do everything we can to, you know, kind of echo their coverage of the match as well. Follow them on Twitter at MPLS city SC, um, you know, to make sure you're getting their content firsthand, but really unfortunate that we can't be there because this is kind of what we do and this is kind of what we exist for. And it just happens to be one of those things where this is not any of our full-time jobs. This is not any of our, you know, main things. So other things sort of get in the way and, and from time to time, and it happens to be that it's happening on that night, but man, anybody attending this match is going to have an amazing time. I've tried to convince my wife to go to this for the last month. She's not having it, unfortunately. So blame her. Uh, but, uh, this is, this is, this is going to be, uh, it's fine. Uh, but this is going to be a lot of fun and I think it's going to kind of be a really, I'm interested to see how the U19 loons stack up with some of these uh, adults, local semi-pro teams who are very, very good in their own right. And we'll get a first glimpse of that on Friday night. Yeah. I think it's gonna be a really interesting matchup. And, you know, I, I think what's really works out with this you know early on i know there was some concern of well this is early in the in the summer late in the spring however you want to describe it uh so you know a team like minneapolis city isn't necessarily going to have everybody they want to have but it actually works out really well for both teams i think because the academy is going to have some players that are academy kids that are with the second team minneapolis city might not have all of their usl lead two guys of course they have the futures team they, they, you know, both teams are going to be able to fill up this roster with, with good players. And it's going to be an interesting opportunity to kind of learn a little more about the level. Um, yeah. Obviously, uh, Minnesota United U19s, they're the U19 team for a professional team, the professional team in the state. That comes with a certain amount of expectation and, and prestige. Uh, but it's also an opportunity for Minneapolis City, particularly for any, you know, sort of futures or futures uh, originating players that they play to sort of compare their development ability 
Um, and, you know, potentially the, the city team slightly would be slightly older, but not necessarily that much older. Uh, and so, yeah. you know, there was going to be some age uh, parity between the two teams, I think. Uh, so, yeah, I think it's going to be a really interesting game on the field, just in terms of comparing these different organizations, where these different players are. Uh, but also, obviously, it's a great opportunity for uh, that fan base, the Minneapolis City fan base, to get to take part in, a, in a, an open-door game against Minnesota United, even if it's, you know, it's the U19s, but it's, it's a competitive game. Um, I think it's just all going to be really fun, really fun opportunity for players and fans and coaches to just sort of interact. Carl Craig's reunion with, yeah. uh, with Minnesota United uh, to some degree. So just a lot of fun narratives, a lot of fun narratives. And I, I very much, I, I also would have liked to have been there in person, but I very much look forward to keeping track of how it goes uh, from afar. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and no, you know, no Diogo Pacheco, no Leo Kane, no, none of those guys will be taking the field, even though they can, technically are 19 and under. Um, they, they will not be available. Um, next pro contracted players are not available. And obviously any Academy players who would be playing for the second team, you know, they will probably be playing on Sunday in the home opener, um, against Chicago. So I, I doubt that they would be made available uh, for this one as well, which is, you know, unfortunate, we're not going to get the best of the U19 players, uh, that are available in Minnesota United's organization, but obviously you understand, and I think it'll still be a really competitive match. So again, Friday night, if you are if you are looking for something to do on your Friday night and you listen to this on Friday morning or even Friday afternoon, buy a ticket, mplscitysc.com. You can also walk up at the door. This might be a sellout, though, so you may not even want to rely on walking up and buying a ticket um, at the gate. So if you want to go, if you want looking for something to do on your Friday night, I highly recommend this. It's at Augsburg College, very centrally located in the city's um, attend. Check it out. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um. Speaking of uh, a lot of fun, Duluth FC and announcing that they are hosting one of the MNUFC camps coming this summer. It's kind of an interesting sort of new chapter in the relationship between these two clubs. Obviously, they played a couple closed-door friendlies, have uh, Duluth and MNUFC too um, in recent years. Um, and now they're sort of kind of partnering together um, with Duluth hosting one of these camps. Um, kind of Duluth FC sort of kind of making their own waves kind of making their own inroads into uh, a partnership with with minnesota united even though they're you know two and a half three hours drive away yeah and 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 of course they're uh, eventually going to to play the the u19s as well in the uh, super cup um yeah you know i i think i think the thing that stands out to me just with this news is that you know in in a funny sort of indirect way it 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 connects to uh, actually the article that i uh wrote with my my uh, interview with Sarah Howes, which is just that this is uh, these two organizations sort of coming together to to sort of help build out some of that infrastructure, um, soccer infrastructure up in the north, where you just have not nearly as much of it as you would like. You know, there there are kids from that area that come all the way down here to play for the Thunder or something like that, mm-hmm. and you know, it, I think it's uh, great that Minnesota United ha- has the intent of scouting out that area. Um, and I think it's great that Duluth FC is going to be part of that as well, um, being a club that's going to know that area. So, yeah, just an interesting collaboration. And, yeah, two teams that are becoming progressively, I think, more aware of each other uh, with every year, uh, which, you know, and and by the way, which is also happening between Minnesota United and, and other uh, uh, clubs at that level. And I think that's good for everybody that yep, um, that United is keenly aware of the, the presence of these other organizations. So, yeah. yeah, and we'll, you know, we'll, 
it'll be interesting to see kind of how that evolves with potentially other clubs. Maybe they go down to Rochester and, you know, Med City or Rochester FC kind of get, get involved in what Minnesota is doing. Cause I think sort of, I think it also helps Minnesota too. Obviously they have a big presence here in the cities, but making yourself known in places like Duluth, Rochester, um, Bemidji, you know, or, you know, different other, other places um, in the, in and around the state, Mankato, you know, in and around the state. I think that's only, that only benefits Minnesota United as an organization to developing more of that awareness statewide. Not saying it's not there, but obviously being in the cities, you kind of are more cities focused, you know, just, just by nature, but really starting to put, put time and effort into developing your, your awareness and your foothold in other little pockets around Minnesota. I think that's, that's only beneficial. And I also think it helps those communities as well. And whether it's a college team, a lower league team, a high school program that sort of gets involved with the club, um, it, it, a high tide lifts all boats. Right. And I think that's, that's one of those things we could see in the future, but in any case, very cool between Duluth and Minnesota United there Um, on the field, as far as NPSL, uh, you know, rosters and stuff go Sioux Falls Thunder announced their first few players of the 2023 season. Eric Beltran returning for his sixth year with the club forward. Marcus Horwood returns and Hastings college recruit Patrick Hedegaard Hansen joins the club as well. Um, Dom has a really good NPSL North preview up on the website, sodasoccer.com. So make sure you're checking that out if you're interested in what's going to happen in that conference here in 2023, just a few weeks away from kickoff there. And then Minnesota Aurora holding their kit reveal at the Mall of America's Atrium Sunday from 1 to 3 p.m. Matthew Johnson will be there covering uh, all the happenings for us with Soda Soccer. So um, that should be a lot of fun. Again, if you're looking for something fun to do on a Sunday, Come check out Minnesota Aurora's uh, sort of season kickoff event with the kit reveal. They did something similar last year as well, and it was a huge hit. People had a lot of fun, so I have to imagine it'll be all the same there. And uh, speaking of Matthew Johnson and Minnesota Aurora, a really good piece from him on the website, sodasoccer.com. You know, it's very rare at the lower league level, especially at the non-professional lower league level, to have your entire coaching staff back from the previous mm-hmm. year. You know, even a club like Minneapolis City has made changes in coaching staff, additions, subtractions, movings on. You know, that happens from year to year, even with them. But Minnesota Aurora's entire coaching staff, all four of their coaches are back for 2023. Um, and Matthew Johnson sort of digs into that, talks to, had really good sort of sit down with all four coaches, um, which you're not, I don't think you're going to find anywhere else. Um I might be wrong, but I'm pretty safe in, in saying that you're probably not going to find that anywhere else. A sit down with all four Aurora coaches talking about, you know, why they all came back, what the what the goal is in terms of taking the next step in 2023, their favorite memories from last year, some, you know, superlatives in there as well. So um, a lot of fun. Make sure you're checking that out at sodasoccer.com, just kind of providing uh, the breadth of Minnesota soccer coverage. Um, now it's time to get into our picks, though, presented by our friends at Better Edge, B-E-T-T-O-R edge.com. We are not going around the league this week. We're just going to be touching on Minnesota United and Vancouver Whitecaps. Being that Minnesota are on the road, they are a slight road underdog. Not very big, though. It's almost a pick em between the two. Um, over under is two and a half total goals. And again, betteredge.com slash loons gets $20 in your account for free. When you sign up there, B-E-T-T-O-R edge.com slash loons. Dom, what are you feeling in the loons caps? I am going to go with the under 2.5. Um, That's the safe one. I think somebody's going to win this one, but yeah. I think it's probably going to be like one goal in the second half. 
yeah, for sure. So uh, I'm gonna yeah, I'm gonna go under two two and a half. Some weird last ten minute set piece situation where yeah. def- defenses are tired and somebody just sort of lucks into a goal off a corner kick. Yeah, I kind of feel like that's where we're heading in this one as well. Uh, but I think Minnesota gets off the gets off the schneid in this one. I think they get a win back. I think they they always play well in Vancouver. I think this is one of those situations where I mean coming off a match like Dallas, I think the team's going to really be focused on on doing the right things in the attack to putting balls in the back of the net. Um, I think they're going to they're be able to kind of do do both things, build off their overall performance on Sunday against Dallas, but find that goal that's eluded them. I think they're going to accomplish both of those things. Um, I don't think Vancouver's shown anything close to uh, anything in the attack that's going to test Minnesota United's defense. I could be proven way wrong in that one. I'll knock on wood there, but um, I, I think it's going to be very low scoring. I think it's going to be something like 1-0, uh, but I think it will be Minnesota United that comes out on top. So I'm taking Minnesota. Dom is taking the under 2.5 total goals. Um, you can bet with us or against us, betteredge.com slash loons. Uh, that gets you $20 in your account for free. And make sure you enter our weekly pick'em contests. We have free and paid versions of that pick'em contest available as well. Again, betteredge.com slash loons. Big thanks to our friends over at Better Edge for supporting show we have come to the end here dom any final thoughts uh no just uh yeah support uh, your lower league soccer you got upsl already yes. started npsl starts in like a week from when you're listening to this uh usl league two similar distance uh w league and, and wpsl in a similar sort of range so uh yeah just uh go out and 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 support your teams and they they certainly need and appreciate it um yeah that's it all i got all right he's dominic jose bizonio i'm jeremy rushing this has been the Ten Thousand pitches podcast if you want to directly support what we are doing head over to patreon.com slash soda soccer and you can support the show for as low as three dollars a month the five dollars here gets you this episode early every week but thanks to stimulus athletic and better edge our sponsors this week if you want to sponsor the show hit us up 10k pitches at gmail.com i'd love to get the word out about your business and that's another way and support what we're doing here on the 10,000 Pitches Podcast and so does soccer. Until next week, enjoy all the soccer happening this weekend and we'll catch you next week. Bye.